Hey there, history fans. And welcome back to the History Explains It All podcast, where we cover a variety of historical topics from the Stone Age to the modern age. I'm Lauren. And I'm Alyssa. And on today's episode, we are covering Coral Castle. You voted for it. It won. Yay. Yes, this is this is the episode y'all voted for. And also, by the way, this is the final full episode of the year. Oh, the last one of the season. I can't believe it. Been a full year now, guys. Every year it goes by faster and faster, doesn't it? Oh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. So shall we get started on Coral Castle? Have at it. All right. Well, let's start with Edlid Skalnan. This is the guy who built Coral Castle. In August 1887, Edward is his full name. Edward Leeds Skalnan was born in Riga, Latvia. He grew up in a poor family and never finished school. By the way, he only passed through the fourth grade. He was also approximately about five feet tall, really slender guy. Some would have considered him malnourished. Uh, He was not known for having a good constitution and he enjoyed reading books quite a bit. This is known as he was a very, he was a very big bookworm. He supposedly dropped out of school simply because it bored him, which is interesting. But most of his knowledge was self-taught as he did enjoy learning. It was just not within a school setting. He became engaged at the age of 26 years old to a lady named Agnes Scuffs, who was actually 10 years his junior. Basically, she was 16. He considered her his one true love. However, it was not meant to be. And a uh, day before the wedding, Agnes, well, peaced out of there. She, she called the wedding off. After the wedding was called off, Ed decided to move and travel. He lived majorly in the continent of North America. And when he was diagnosed with tuberculosis, he decided to settle in Florida in order to help his TB condition. Florida City is where he settled in 1918 for his condition. He enjoyed his privacy. Therefore, when he heard about plans for development in his area, he made the decision to move to Homestead, Florida in 1936, where he purchased 10 acres of land. He was known as to be a very simple man, and instead of purchasing purchasing a car, he would ride a bicycle into the town in order to run his errands. Now, all of this is information that we have access to. However, here's another podcast reference for you guys. If you listen to Astonishing Legends podcast episode on Coral Castle, they actually talk to uh, a man who also does a podcast who lives in Riga, Latvia. And he has access to sources we don't because they're all in Latvian, according to this this guy, whose name is escaping me, and I will look it up while I'm talking here, because I just can't remember how he pronounces it. Kristaps Andersen? Is that it? I'm pretty sure that's it. Probably. But he talks about Ed's... Edward Leedskalen during his time in Riga, Latvia. One, he calls him an anarchist. Supposedly he was part of like uprisings and killing several people. 
So I'm, I, I don't know. This dude's a little five foot two skinny ass man. I question this quite a bit, but that doesn't make it impossible just because I question it. And also another thing that he said, Kristaps said was Agnes Scuffs was not the woman that he was engaged to. It, her name was Hermine. So brings about a lot of questions, a lot of questions about what we know and what's true and not true. Most of what we hear about Coral Castle and Ed is a lot of speculation more than truth anyway. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you do want to listen to the, the episode, it's the Astonishing Legends podcast and it's the episode known as Coral Castle from July 18th, 2016. It's a really good episode, guys, just so you know. It's a really long one, but really good. That's that's true. It, it's really long, but I, I had to take it in chunks in myself just to get all the information in. So like half an hour here and then a half an hour later on after I was like, I think I absorbed all the information. <laughs> so Ed Leeds Gollin is pretty mysterious. On to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to start delving into a, an even bigger history, and that would be Coral Castle itself. So, and when he moved to Florida, he eventually settled first in Florida City and began work on what would become Coral Castle in 1923 and would eventually keep at constructing it all the way up until his death in 1951. So over 20 years for this building. And the entire time, it is said that he's building this for his sweet 16, which many believe is the 16-year-old that jilted him on the day before the wedding. But there's also other theories as to what the sweet 16 refers to, and some of them are just outrageous and nuts. But we'll get into some theories later. So Coral Castle is actually made of a particular type of limestone called oolite, or is it olite? I think it's olite. And it's very, it's actually local to the Florida area. And in fact, if you remove the little topsoil that there is, you will find a lot of this limestone. And it actually goes quite, it, it goes very, very deep into the peninsula of Florida. And the entire site of Coral Castle is made up of around two to three million pounds of limestone, which also translates to just over 1,100 tons. It's a lot of rock. Now, originally what was known as Ed's Place was built on two acres of land. And eventually Ed would actually call it Rock Gate Park because there were actually two gates in the front and the back made of this limestone. Now, only being referred to as Coral Castle, however, after his death and the acquisition of a buyer who then turned it into the tourist attraction you can see today. Now, within the park, there are very many unusual pieces, and some actually speculate that they are made for specific reasons, which we will, again, discuss in the theory section near the end. But others just thought that Ed was odd. He was sort of that very nice, but quiet, eccentric that every sort of town seems to have sometimes. Pieces within the grounds of Coral Castle include limestone rocking chairs, planets, crescent moon structures, a well, a fountain, an accurate and working sundial, 
table. There's even a heart-shaped table, which is really cute. Flat limestone beds people can sleep on. There's a telescope. There's a lot here for such a small piece of ground. Now it's unknown how Ed on his own carved these. They were, he carved them, lifted them and moved them. And it's not certain how he did it. He moved every piece of block by himself alone at night. This 100 to 120 pound man by himself. And there are many who actually tried to watch him secretly, but to, to no avail, it's always said that he, when he always could tell if someone was watching him, then he would stop what he was doing and wait until they left and then resume his construction. Now, the unbelievable thing about Coral Castle, aside from Ed himself, are the stones themselves. Every single one is so precisely cut that they fit into one another without the need for mortar very much like the pyramids of Giza or the stones for the buildings in Machu Picchu. However, Coral Castle is a little bit different. So not only did Ed obviously build it by himself, as we will consistently state, but some of the blocks in the construction are even bigger than the blocks at any of those other sites. And those had more people working on it. This is just one tiny little guy. They sound like they're pyramid-sized blocks. They're bigger, aren't they? They're on average pyramid size too larger than pyramid size. And the Giza, the, the Giza pyramids are also built out of a type of limestone too. And limestone is porous. True. Now during the construction in Florida City, Ed actually very happily opened his home to locals and to tourists. And in fact, it was very common for locals in the area to go to Ed's place on Sunday afternoons for picnics and fun. And it was some of the children who were interviewed long after Ed had passed away said, Ed always was really good at remembering faces. He'd remember you from your last visit. He'd ask you about your friends and family. He'd ask you, are you having fun? He'd always have treats for the kids. He was a really, a, a very nice social kind of a guy, even if he kept to himself. There is a, a very short, I think two minute video and our source notes that was actually made, I think in and around 1930 of a like a short movie that was made about uh, Coral Castle and talks about how people come to have picnics with their families and things you could see there and talk about Ed for a quick second and how possibly he built it. Uh, but it's, it's more like a commercial in a sense really than a documentary. Now, at first when Ed started letting visitors in on the grounds of Ed's place or Rocky Park, he didn't charge a fee to come on and, and visit. But when some of the locals or the team started trampling his garden, which is where he grew his food, as well as damaging some of his property, he began to charge visitors 10 cents. And if you wanted a guided tour with Ed, it would be 25 or 30 cents, depending on the sources. But according to some, if a, particularly if, if you're a kid and you don't have any money, but you wanted to come hang out at Rockgate Park, I would still just let you in even if you didn't have money to pay, it was only 10 cents. Now, according to a conversion, the best I find 25 cents in 1930 is equal to about $4.15 today. The average income at the time was around 1,900 to $2,000 per year with the average monthly rent being $18. So affordable. Not a lot of money for Ed, but it's affordable. 
he didn't really seem like the guy to do it for money. At least not from the research that I did of him in the U.S. I don't know about the pre-U.S. times. <laughs> I wouldn't say he did it for money. I'm just more concerned that he had enough money to live on. But there was enough people visiting. And I think he would have been able. He, he made some money. Because people always ask, how did he have the money to build it if he was always building it? How did he work if this was his job and he's working for himself? But when he traveled all around North America doing like logging and things like that, that he would do for various jobs when he came over before settling in Florida, he made money using that and was able to, to use that money towards building and purchasing land. And when it came to food, he mostly would grow things out of his garden and he would often have too much food more than he needed and would sometimes even use that food to barter for other goods in town rather than necessarily just paying cash for them. An eccentric, but a very kind eccentric. Now, one of the most popular pieces at Coral Castle is known as the nine ton door. And this is the front door to the grounds of the gate. And it is also one of the largest and heaviest stones in the entire park. Now it's not just a gate to the park, it's a revolving door that Ed made by himself. So the door stands at 80 inches wide, 92 inches tall, and is 21 inches thick. So it's a very big, heavy door. And in a move of extreme precision, the door, when turned, had only a one inch or so tolerance on either side of the walls. In addition, it was so well built and so well balanced that even a child could push it open with just a very small push, which you'll see in the video if you watch that two minute video uh, from 1930. And in fact, from the time the door was constructed for 40 years, it worked without any problem whatsoever. That is until 1986. Now keep in mind again, one man built and installed this door. When the repairman came in 1986 to work on the door, you had six repairmen and a several ton crane that was used to lift the door. And all six of them and the crane itself had a hard time moving this door and maneuvering it. So the secrets of the doors were revealed when they removed it. And it turned out that Ed had apparently drilled a very, very precise hole through the entire length of the center of the stone, installed a metal rod, and then had that rod rest on a truck bearing in order to have it revolve. But he had just found that very sweet spot of perfect balance so that it worked correctly. The repairman also noticed that the door itself was set on a one foot pie shaped stone to hold the weight of the door to give it lift in order for it to turn properly. The door was eventually repaired and reinstalled. However, it only worked for just a few more years before having to be repaired yet again. And eventually it stopped having repairs on it. If you look at pictures now, it's actually, there's a circular gate around the door so you can't actually move it or go through it because it kept breaking down. And after the first uninstallation of the door, it just never worked the same again, or at least as it had for Ed. In fact, one of the main reasons is thought is that because the bearings, the air in Florida is quite salty because you're right against the waterfront. And eventually the first truck bearings just ended up 
rusting. And it's believed that mostly that's why the door just stops working is that it's not frequently lubricated to keep it from moving properly. So they just stop using the door. Now, after some time, 11 years of being in Florida City and moved to Florida, uh, from Florida City to Homestead, Florida, about 10 miles away. He didn't just move himself. He moved every single block that he has currently constructed for Coral Castle. The entire structure, block by block, was moved 10 miles north to Homestead and then rebuilt anew by himself. I don't know how he does this. It's actually believed that one of the reasons he moved is that because there was a really good limestone quarry sort of in the backyard of this new land in Homestead, Florida, which gave him a much easier time cutting, building, and moving the stones. It's also said that at one point, Ed was assaulted while still living in Florida City, and he was a victim of robbery because there was a rumor that had been apparently going on at the time that being the eccentric hermit that he was, he had a, ton, you know, a couple hundred, several hundred dollars somewhere hidden within Coral Castle. And one day it said that some teens came over and tried to rob him and he was injured. And realizing that Florida City was no longer safe, he decided to move it to a much more secluded section of Homestead, which is a lot more farmland. There's other theories why he moved to Homestead as well. We'll get into that. Now, one story during the move goes as such. A good neighbor came with a flatbed truck to help haul some of the smaller stones. Not wanting anyone to see how he moved all of his blocks and asked the neighbor who he was friends with to set the truck up, but then just go over there to the side of the building. Don't watch. I'm gonna do something, don't watch. Um, I'll let you know when it's okay to come back. And within a few minutes, the truck had some stones on it. The neighbor saw nothing. He came back and the truck was loaded, ready to go. Another theory goes that that same neighbor came to help, said, do you want some help moving stuff? Because I know that you're moving locations, but can I use your restroom before we start loading things? And it's like, okay, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Go use my restroom. During the couple minutes or so while the guy was off the restroom, the truck now has loaded with stones. Another one is that the truck was left overnight and when the next morning when the driver came back beds were already loaded and ready to go now after piecing coral castle back together again block by block and reassembling the entirety of all every structure on the ground ed even began to build even more structures on this new land and would eventually add sort of tall fortress like walls around the ground, a telescope for viewing the North Star, which is apparently quite accurate, and even an, an obelisk. Still not sure what that was for them. Oh, my turn, yay. This is gonna be real short because you talked about some of this already because you know you decided to take over my sections. <gasps> um, excuse me for having eight pages of notes as always. Okay, so basically as Melissa was talking about, he charged an admission fee. So people would want to obviously visit Ed's lovely creation. So he would charge them a 10 cent fee. Again, as Melissa stated, he only began charging a fee when some visitors basically desecrated the place and destroyed some of the plants. And he did end up charging 25 cents for guided tours as well. So 10 cent fee to go in 
25 cent if you wanted a guided tour. Also, you know, he was a really nice guy. So if you didn't have the 10 cents, it really wasn't a big deal. He basically let you in. So even though, you know, he, he even, uh, he was so kind that he even made foods for like the little kids, the young kids that would visit the castle. And that he mainly made like hot dogs for them. It's kind of like a theme park, you know? You go to Coney Island, you get a Coney Island dog. <laughs> Actually, some people did refer to it as a little theme park. Yeah. It was just a local theme park made by a really weird man. That, that's true. I mean, they did say this was homage to Agnes Scuffs. If she actually existed, yes. If she actually existed, this could have been a homage to Hermione. I think, I think, um, I think Kristoff said it was a homage to Hermione. And, and Hermione wasn't even 16, I think she was 23. She was older, yes. Hermione was older than the supposed Agnes Scuffs, but it makes it very confusing. Well, Ed consistently talked about my sweet 16. So I don't know. Maybe they met when they, she was 16. Who knows? We don't know. No clue. Zero clues. I'm, I'm making a theory here. Maybe, maybe that's why, because she was 16 when they met. Could be wrong, could be right. No clue. But let's see. Ed died in December 1951, just three days after leaving Coral Castle and heading to Jackson Memorial in Miami. He was 64 years old at the time of his death, and it was due to kidney issues, according to one of my sources. However, another one of the sources I have say he says he died 28 days after arriving at Jackson Memorial in November. So interesting. There's a debate on when he went to the hospital, but not that he went to the hospital. And this the, the second source does say, again, it had to do with his kidneys as he supposedly had an infection. I had something to add when you were finished with the medical stuff. No, that's the end of the medical. Okay. So just to add on to that, being diagnosed with TB, especially back then, is pretty much a death sentence because there was no known cure. And usually it got to you pretty quickly because it's a respiratory failure. It's a, mm. it's a bacteria in your lungs. It fills you up with fluid and you drown, essentially, if, if yeah. that's what kills you, if you're not coughing up so much blood but for ed when he started working with all this limestone and magnetism and electricity and potentially ley lines as we'll get into it's said that whenever he was sick or even when he had tv one of those long limestone beds that he'd created in the park he would just lie on it for a while and then no longer was he sick. But of course that um, didn't end up being the case. So we do know that sometime likely in November, he went over to Miami and it's uh, known that he actually put a sign on the front of Coral Castle saying gone to hospital and then left the grounds in charge of a, a, a friend neighbor to watch it while he was gone. Do you know the date that he died? December 1951. I don't have an exact date. Do you? You probably do. What was it? 60 years today. Wow. So December 7th. Wait, am, am I, hold on. Let me do my math because I feel like I'm doing a stupid. Maybe 70 years today. So we're, so we're here. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> 70 years to today. We are literally recording this on, of course, not only on uh, December 7th, but uh, the day that Ed apparently died is the day that we're accidentally recording, recording this. So I don't know about accidentally, but sure. <laughs> so let's see. Okay. After Ed's death, one of his nephews that had been living in Michigan inherited Coral Castle. And not long before the nephew's death in 1953, the nephew sold it to another family that was living in Illinois. So the nephew really only retained ownership of the castle for about two years. Very, very short period of time. And sadly, the, the castle did not stay within the family until it went to the National Register of Historic Places, which is what the, current, the Coral Castle is currently a part of. So it's, it's a national park now. And it was, it was added to the registry in 1984. Yeah, his, uh, they located his nephew, because uh, obviously Ed had no kids, so they located his nephew, Harry, who was living in, I think, Michigan. Michigan. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I don't really want anything to do with Rockgate Park, because it was just a weird project over my uncle. And uh, eventually, Harry signed the deed over to a man named Julius Levin, who was apparently a retired jeweler that lived in Miami. And saw the potential for it as a attraction, which to this day, it still is. On to theories. <sighs> Some of these drove me insane. <sighs> there are several here. And um, I'm sorry if I hurt anyone's brains because my brain was hurting through some of these. Some of these just don't make any sense to me. That's why they're theories. They're meant to hurt your brain. <laughs> brain hurting theories. <laughs> I'd rather a brain freeze from an icy. <laughs> that hurts. A lot. <laughs> so in terms of theories on how this is built, the most common thing Ed would ever say is when people ask, how did you build this? Because obviously he wouldn't let people watch him build it. And he said two things that were always the common things he would say. I know the secrets of ancient Egypt and the pyramids. And I've mastered magnetism and electricity or something along those lines. But he would never reveal what those secrets ever were. So to this day, we don't know how he did any of this now in terms of uh, so we'll just start off with the first theory this is the one that really hurt my head because I, I, I to be honest i just don't understand this one and this is ley lines ley lines as a whole i can kind of get even as mystical as they are just the theory for coral castle hurt my head so it's believed that ed when looking for land to build what would become coral, coral castle said to many many friends I'll know it when I see it. And to those who believe in ley lines, Coral Castle is actually situated on a very important ley line, one that crosses the Dome of the Rock and St. Peter's Basilica in the Vatican, which I looked at maps for ley lines and I don't see where they cross. So I don't know. I, I apologize. I don't know anything about this stuff. But it's thought by those who believe 
this theory that Ed being a stonemason was also possibly a Freemason when he lived in Riga and also could have possibly been part of a secret sect of leftovers of the Knights Templar when he lived in Latvia. And this comes from the fact that apparently there's a light line that runs from the Templum of the Vatican through the city of Riga. I, I think you're just grasping at straws with these, but there was one site I had that gave me this information and I'm just gonna read quote what they, they've written for some of this because I couldn't make sense of it. But it says, it may be possible that the spatial arrangement included some unknown attribute that enabled Ed to cut and lift the large stones. Many speculate that the ancient temples marked nodes or significant points in the earth grid of energy, whether spiritual or physically powerful. This theory states that the temples may also mark the underlying polygonal structure of this planet. So apparently the planet's not a globe, it's polygonal. And the earth energy is said to travel along the facets of this crystalline structure. Either way, it makes sense that this structure structural element of the temples would mark the primary directions valued at the templum or even seen world from that point. Yeah, I didn't understand it either. I, this is like the most easy thing for me to follow in terms of some of the other sites I read and I still don't understand it. So and it gets worse. Oh no, no. <laughs> even I'm confused. I'm very confused. This next one is this next, this is really just like another blurb from the same site, but about two paragraphs down. And I, it, it's, I, this is just to me all grasping at straws. From the same site, it says, in addition to Griaz's visit to this specific place uh, when he settled in I think, Cancun, I think it is. And so, and it, so when the conquistadors settled in Cancun, or at least visited Cancun to the specific place, he made landfall on Holy Cross Day or May 3rd of 1518. The very first Catholic mass held in Mexico was done on a ley line that extended from the Vatican and Dome of the Rock on Holy Cross Day. Is it possible that all of these events were intentionally arranged in order to occur in relation to these monuments so very far away? I say no. 1518, you think Europe is using ley lines to plan things? I don't think so. No. No. I don't think Not a chance. No. <laughs> Certainly not the conquistadors. Now, another section of this. Right? Hmm? You think? <laughs> it's not really the conquistadors. Not the conquistadors. They'll just sail into wherever they take port and take whatever they want. Although that is mostly Europeans, but the conquistadors are pretty brutal. They're, the conquistadors were basically barbaric. They were the Vikings of the 1518, 1500. Yeah. In, in a certain way. Yeah. Just, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So another section of the same site also talks about Ed and says, now for Ed, this may have been something that he grew up with. So according to an interview, as because they also mentioned the Astonishing Legends episode with Christoph Andersen, Christoph actually says in the interview, ley lines are just magnetic fields or where the underground rivers go. They're still used today in Riga to determine, for example, where you want to dig your well or where you want to grow your medicinal herbs. 
In this case, I think he's referring to just dowsing rods. Ley lines and dowsing rods can cross in terms of correlation, but I don't think that ley lines and dowsing are two of the same thing in this case that the website's referring to. But that's that, that part, that, that all just kind of hurt my head. I did not understand a single thing, but I had to share it because it's one of the main theories that people are talking about. So another one is geomancy, which I did not know what that was other than something about birth. And by definition, apparently it's the true art of placing or arranging buildings or other sites auspiciously or interpreting lines or textures on the ground. Kind of vague too. So. But according to some of the time, Ed had claimed to see quote, beads of light on objects which he claimed to have magnetic powers or at least magnetic properties. And then using his understanding of magnetism, which was quite big, he would apparently be able to manipulate their polarization in order to move the stones. So those who believe this theory maintain that if you reverse the polarity of an object, you can easily move it. So I think one example that was listed would be a magnet, an actual refrigerator magnet. If you put a magnet on a fridge, it's, it, it's on there and despite the gravity of earth, you are, the then it stays on the fridge. But if you remove it, it kind of reversing the polarity of it, apparently, and you're able to, like, you're, hold, you're able to hold the magnet without, with, with ease because of reverse polarity or something. It's, again, it's just, it's beyond my head to comprehend this. But there are those who try to watch Ed build Coral Castle, both in Florida City and Homestead, and would claim that they saw him move these several ton stone slabs and they would be lifted in the air as if they were floating and he would move them around like they were a balloon and able to just turn them and put them in place where he wanted. There is no proof of this, however, because these are just claims of people who said that they watched this. So we don't know, again, how Ed made these stones and propped them up. Now, the most practical would be the block and tackle, which we know that Ed actually used. And as in his tool shed, when he died, you could find a variety of different types of tools that he used to cut stones with. There's small pulleys, there's a tripod pine hoist that he would actually use, which there's video of him actually using, and block and tackles. And the pine tripod is actually said to be able to lift between 10 to 100 ton stones. So it's certainly able to move quite a lot. And in fact, In Search Of, which was a television show that was hosted by Leonard Nimoy, uh, in the Coral Castle episode, the film crew have workers that are trying to slice the Olight with diamond-tipped saws and using a 600 horsepower crane to move this one block that, so they can actually see if, like, how to actually move it in, like we would today. And it shows the men having an incredibly hard time maneuvering this just one slab of limestone. And according to anyone who said that they saw and moving stuff, he had no trouble doing it by himself. Now, in terms of practicality, there also is a man named Wally Wallington. And he, there's videos in our source notes for this. And he has actually been able to using 
just leverage, which is something that Ed also talks about. He 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 has mastered magnetism, electricity, and leverage. And leverage plays quite a lot. It's, even if you're doing like uh, what do you call it, um, self defense, and you're much smaller than your opponent, a straight on attack isn't going to give you the advantage. But if you use leverage against your much bigger opponent, you can actually put them on the ground if you if you know how to work it properly. So leverage can actually be used very, very well, especially from a smaller person working with a much heavier item. And Wally Wallington it, has actually taken this and, and has been able to show that he can move large objects. In fact, there's even one portion of the video where he's got some kind of a hoist on a small barn and has been able to take the barn and then using and able to like fully rotate the entire house the, the entire barn by just setting it up on a certain hoisting system so it's not it, it's something that can be done in real life and he's been able to show that he can move certain stones to certain positions using certain leveraging items so it's not impossible for ed to have done it by himself it's just incredibly common now the next theory is <laughs> is 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 a little crazy, as most of them are, but this would be something that Ed put out himself, sort of. So Ed would write several pamphlets regarding Coral Castle. He would write things about his views about society and marriage, politics, magnetism, etc. He even wrote a couple books, but he also wrote some pamphlets that he would sell and hand out at his uh, gift shop of sorts. And one strange part of these pamphlets is that the right page is always blank. So you have text on the left and the right page is blank. And it said that this was left intentional by Ed so that the readers couldn't make notes as they read along. But there are some who believe that Ed left these pages blank intentionally because they reveal the secrets to his construction. But the only way to reveal them is to find out how what he used to make the invisible ink and then make it visible. But so far, this also hasn't been proved. Now, another type of theory is known as sound harmonics. And Olight actually has a very specific harmonic frequency to it, apparently. And in fact, because it's also made of dipole molecules, meaning that it has both positive and negative magnetic properties. So according to this theory, when the poles are arranged in a very specific manner using sound, the items will repel gravity and levitate. And this same theory is actually also used toward the pyramids of Giza and it was said that the Egyptian, Egyptians used a sonic drill to cut the rocks, lift them and move them into place. So it's believed by some who believe in the harmonic acoustic sound theory that Ed actually found the frequency of Ulight or Olight itself and was able to manipulate it to make it easier to move these massive stones. Now, I think Lauren might like this last crazy theory. Would you like to take a guess? Because this would be the craziest. Nope. No, I don't. <laughs> it's too late at night. Nope. Just tell me. The same one that people always insist that we're uh, used towards Giza. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Is it aliens? Yep. Is it aliens from Perfect. outer space and flying freaking saucers that don't freaking exist? Yeah. <laughs> Was I a little too passionate there? I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, I don't believe aliens exist. There are some people that believe aliens helped Ed build Coral Castle. There are people that believe aliens built Machu Picchu and the freaking pyramids. Well, we're kind of talking about the same thing here. We're, it's seemingly well, an impossible task. Exactly. So I'm not surprised that they believe they an alien built Coral Castle. <laughs> End the book, Coral Castle, Everything You Know is Wrong by author Praveen Mohans. He stipulates that Ed built planetary items. And we just talked about there's Saturn, Jupiter, there's the moons. There's the telescope that tracks the North Star and a few other places at Coral Castle. And he posits that these are a signal to aliens or at least possibly as a reference to the quote, extraterrestrial magic that helped him build it. At one point in his book, Mohan refers to several pieces and relates to them as part of his theory. One item is what he refers to as Ed's quote, mirror, which is this bathtub that's on site. And according to the author, it contains graphite, which is used in batteries. And if you place foil on top of the bathtub and fill it with salt water, it turns into a battery. And this battery would then be used by Ed for his, quote, chemical experiments. In addition, the author also states that several places on the ground are related to various zodiac signs. The obelisk is in reference to Taurus. One of the gabled roofs on the grounds is referenced to Libra. The west wall is Virgo. And the two holes in what looked like a medieval stockade are not the armholes for you to put your hands into. They're referenced to the Gemini twins, Castor and Pollux. <laughs> yeah, again, Gastmaster. I'm going with block and tackle and whatever Wally Wallington is working on. Because that makes sense to me. Um, outside of N himself, well, oh, well, oh, we're gonna take that back. We're gonna go. So, in terms of things outside, specifically on the grounds of Coral Castle, the site itself, particularly since it's been in a homestead, has been used for a few different things. Um, there's actually three films that have been known to have been shot scenes at Coral Castle. I think they're mostly from the 50s, but there's one called El Santo. There's The Wild Woman from Wongo. There's a movie called Naked on the Moon. There's also Billy Idol's song Sweet 16, which came out in the mid 80s, which is about Coral Castle and Ed. There's, and Ed even wrote a couple of books, as I mentioned. So there's Mr. Pant is Dead, which is written by Orville Irwin, which is about Ed. And it was written in the 40s. Well, no, is it Mr. Pant is Dead? So it's written after Ed died. But or Orville Irwin had visited Coral Castle many times during the late 30s into the 40s. Ed's books are called A Book in Every Home, which is mostly about politics and the purity of 16-year-old girls, mostly, among some other things. 
And he also had one that he titled Magnetic Current, which is all about magnetic properties and things like that. Side note, just to end this crazy episode on an even crazier note, I didn't think about this until I was listening to Profiles and Eccentricities episode on Coil Castle, because I know they're going to give me some crazy stuff. We all at least here in the States, tend to laugh at Florida because Florida can be quite crazy and there's always the Florida men, whatever news story happens to be going on at the time. Florida's always been a little weird and the 30s and 40s were no different. There was something else going, someone else doing something disturbing and crazy in Florida at the exact same time that Ed was working on and building Coral Castle. And you're familiar with some crazy stuff going down in Key West in the 30s and 40s. You may have heard of Carl Tanzler, which it didn't even occur to me that Tanzler was doing whatever crazy stuff in Florida he was doing at the same time that Ed was living in Florida. But Homestead is just off of Route 1. It's the most southern, one of the most southern areas of Florida right before past Miami before you reach the Keys, but you can still take Route 1 all the way down south to, to Key West, which is the southernmost point of the U.S. And apparently Carl Tanzler was doing his crazy stuff in Key West at the exact same time I think Ed was living in Florida City. And when Carl Tanzler got kicked out for his very disgusting and disturbing stuff, which is all for another episode, had to literally go past Homestead after Ed had already moved there on his way back up to Miami when he got kicked out of, Coke, uh, kicked out of Key West. 30s and 40s were apparently a bit kind of a crazy time for things to be happening in Florida, as much as it always has been. But that's all I have on Ed, Coral Castle, and the wacky conspiracy theory craziness that people attribute to it that was insane well at least it's the end okay (laughs) well that'll do for this episode of history explains it all you can find us on our facebook and instagram pages of history explains it all underscore podcast where we do weekly posts twice a week right now either today in history or in archaeology in the news we also do polls that's the word i'm looking for polls (laughs) hence we did this episode via a poll (laughs) wow brain dead uh so so go and check us out there and if you want to contact us you can contest us contest contest you can contact us through our email at historyexplainsall at gmail.com We hope to see you next week as we trek through history to explain it all. We'll never get that right. (laughs) I don't expect it to. No. It's far too late for that. Bye, Bye, everybody.